0: Who might you say are the truly powerful in our world? Would you say the world government leaders? The ultra-wealthy? You know, those billionaires and trillionaires that try to tell us all about climate change and everything? How about world-famous celebrities? How much cloud do they carry? What about sports heroes? Music icons? How about uh, supermodels? TV executives? How about drug cartels? How about the mob? How about Big Pharma? You know, a lot of people dream of gaining power, don't they? And we know a lot of people will go to great lengths to amass power and just rise above others. Because power, we know, can be addictive. And some, of course, get caught doing wrong in order to get power. And then if they get caught, some have to pay a big price for it. But where does actual power lie? You know excuse me. It can turn out that we may find true power, actual power, in places we would never never think of looking, and at many times not in places where we would just naturally think of looking, like the places I mentioned a minute ago. You know, last Sunday we looked into Acts chapter three, where Peter and John two apostles of Jesus Christ encountered a man who had been lame from birth. He'd never ever been able to use his legs. You can just imagine how weak those legs were. Muscles never used. Well, we we saw last week that every day someone or people would bring him to the Jewish temple complex where he would every day beg for money. That was his only way of getting money. And one day when the apostles Peter and John were going to the temple for prayer, this is just kind of a review, this man who had been lame from birth asked Peter and John for money. And Peter said, look at us. And so he looked at them expecting that they were going to give him some money. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then Peter took the man by his right hand. He helped him up. And instantly, as he was getting up, his ankles and feet instantly became strong. He jumped to his feet. And he began to walk. And then he went into the temple courts with Peter and John. And he was walking and jumping and praising God. And muscles he'd never ever used before in his whole life. And everyone that saw him, they were just filled with wonder and amazement because everybody knew him. Everybody knew who he was. Everybody knew his, his, you know, disability. And then Peter took that opportunity to tell the crowd, that had gathered that this man had been healed by faith in Jesus Christ. Because Peter, that's what he said when he said, Look at me, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. The very one they demanded to be crucified, the one the crowd screamed for the authorities to crucify while they asked for a murderer to be released in his place. And Peter tells them, after that healing, he says, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of his raising. And Jesus said to them, you know, earlier, Don't worry about dates and times that the Father set by his own authority. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. And then we see that played out all through the book of Acts. And Peter will say, and we are his witnesses. <clears throat> and it's faith, Peter said, it is faith in this Jesus that completely healed this man who had never had walked, who never walked a day in his life. And Peter calls them to repent of their sins and turn to Jesus Christ as their Savior and Messiah. And many did. So we have this amazing act of healing that God orchestrates in order for Peter and John to be able to get the message of salvation out, salvation in Jesus Christ, all to the people in Jerusalem that were there for that that, uh, feast day. And everyone listening was excited. They knew who this man was. Never been able to walk in his whole life. He had pathetic, weak, useless legs. But now in the name of Jesus, he's walking, jumping, and praising God. And hanging on with the apostles. But now in the name of Jesus, he's a full man. So clearly, we just read about the power of God. We talked about who has power, who has true power. And now we see an instance of <clears throat> the actual power of God and this man walking who had never been able to walk before. And it was amazing, undeniable power of God. And everyone is rejoicing. Well, not actually everyone is rejoicing. So, in chapter 4, as we continue on with this story, it tell, we're going to see people who aren't rejoicing about this. In the first seven verses of chapter 4 in the book of Acts, <clears throat> it says, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. This is as Peter is you know, talking to the people about how this man was healed by God. They came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed. You know, everybody else was rejoicing and amazed, but they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to be about 5,000. Wow. Now, <clears> now when it says 5,000, he's counting also the 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. And then those that were being added daily between these two events. And now those who come at this instance, and all together now there's 5,000 new Christians on the... Early days of Christianity, the church, the early days of the church. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them by what power or what name. Did you do this? Now, you know, we talked, we began by talking about power, didn't we? We said that many people are intent on seeking power. So people have gathered around Peter and John and the man born lame, who now is jumping and praising God and walking. And the religious leaders see this. And they didn't seem to be very happy about this man being freed from his lifelong bondage of being crippled. And verse 2 said, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now one thing we do know <clears throat> is that the Sadducees, you know, this—is you can read this in historical accounts, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees had different beliefs from like the Pharisees. The Sadducees were kind of like liberal theologians today. They didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in a personal Messiah that was coming. They just thought there would be some kind of messianic age. And they were part of the priestly system that had were in charge of taking care of the temple. So when they were looking into this matter, this everybody going over and being excited about this man being able to walk, they were looking at this as part of the religious authority. But look what they do. Even after this poor man has been healed from this horrible disability, this lifelong disability, and We're gonna see in a few minutes that he's over 40 years old. He's never been able to walk. And now here he is. He doesn't have to beg every day. Now he can go out and work. He can be a help to his family instead of just a burden. The leaders don't like the apostles' message and they put them in jail. You know, in spite of all the good they're, they're seeking power, and they don't like that their power is being, you know, threatened. Seems controlling, doesn't it? And then, as we read, they call in the super heavyweights to meet them in Jerusalem. You know, it says the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law. That's talking about basically the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court. And the Sanhedrin actually consisted of 71 members. So, I don't know how many of them came that time, but there's this big group of authorities there. And they're looking into this man, this this miracle, this man who has never been able to walk, and now he's jumping and praising God because of Jesus Christ. So they bring the apostles, John and Peter, before the high court. And they ask them, this is telling, and this is what we read already. They ask them, by what power or what name did you do this? So here is a man freed from his lifelong bondage, and the religious leaders are worried about who gave you this authority? How come no one came to us? We are the authority. And in their minds, they're probably thinking, how in the world are we going to keep tight control over everyone? If you guys go around thinking you can just heal anybody that has a problem. And of course, they're also very worried about them preaching the resurrection of the dead and Jesus Christ. But, you know, we see the religious leaders fighting for control, don't we? They want their power. And it's kind of ironic and even kind of funny that in verse 3, they put Peter and John in jail. And then in verse 4, it says, many who heard the message believed so that the the number of men grew to be about 5,000. So just think of that. These earthly authorities put Peter and John in jail to stop them from spreading the message and the numbers grow to Mm 5,000. Where is the true power? Is it in the earthly power of the Sadducees? But let's get back to our story. The Jewish authorities have placed Peter and John in prison to keep control or you might say, to make certain they stay or they have, they keep their power. And then they ask them, by what power did you heal this man born lame? And here's the answer in verses 8 through 12 of chapter 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. Now, you think Peter might kind of soften it down a little bit, right, so they won't get in so much trouble, get out of jail. But look at this, verse 10. Then know this. You and all the people of Israel... It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. You know, the cornerstone is what you build the whole building off of, the whole structure off of, right? And so they're saying, Jesus isn't just somebody who belongs. He's the actual one with whom, with everything is measured by and built off of. And it says in verse 11 Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And then verse 12 Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Here again, Peter pulls no punches. You know, he could have thought, well, if I soften my answer a little bit and don't offend them, maybe we can get out of this prison. Or maybe we can win them over by not giving them the whole truth right now. Maybe we'll just work our way into it. Nope. That's not how Peter thinks. Then know this. In verse 10, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He's the stone you builders rejected. You rejected the very essence of what God was doing, which became the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. <clears throat> so Peter I mean these people have all the power, all the earthly power but what we're looking for here is who has the true power. And he's telling them these authorities that put them in jail, he's telling them that they must turn in repentance and total humility to the one that they rejected, the one that they plotted against, the one that they tried to keep people from following. That very person who was your archenemy, who you killed, Peter says, now, you must bow in submission to him because there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we can be saved. And you know something, we may not find ourselves in this dramatic of a situation or this threatened type of situation, but we do need to share. With Some measurement of boldness, don't we? I mean, when we talk to people about Jesus, sometimes it's uncomfortable, depending upon who we're talking to or what situation we're in. But there does come a time when we need to share with boldness to some degree, doesn't it? When we talk to people about Jesus or heaven or salvation... We do need to get the crucial message apart. And it may not be the first time you talk to them. It may be later. But at some point, we do have to get that crucial message apart. Amen. And we don't have to be brutish or belligerent or shaming or belittling. And it isn't always easy, is it? But we do have to be straightforward to some degree. And then you know what happens sometimes? A person who reacts negatively to your gospel message And they may even walk away mad Because they can't think of anything to say And maybe something you said just hit them real hard And at that point they're saying Okay, that's it. I'm gone And that happens, doesn't it? But then They'll come back to you. I mean, this happens. They'll come back to you at some point and they'll say, you know, when you said these words, these particular words, I was so angry. <laughs> I wasn't going to listen to you anymore. But then, the words kept coming back to my mind. And sometimes those are the very words that bring them to Christ.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, you know, we could take a note from Peter here. Not that we have to be, you know, always pounding against somebody, but we do have to be brave and bold at times. But now look at verses 13 through 22. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men. You know, they had no religious official training from the rabbis. It says, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, And then they conferred together what they were about in another area. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him, to listen to God? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. <clears throat> it's difficult to work against obvious truth, isn't it? And even God said to, to Paul, the apostle Paul, or Jesus said to the apostle Paul, It's difficult to to kick against the goats. And it's amazing the predicament people who want to suppress the truth get themselves into, isn't it? When you think about the Jewish religious leaders. It's clear that they aren't going by what is right or even obvious. You know that this man was healed through the name of Jesus Christ. This man born lame is standing right in front of them, totally healed. But they don't want Jesus to get the credit. So, you know, they have to kind of try to balance this out somehow. They have to take the obvious and kind of push it aside so they come out looking good. You know, they want the power. They want to keep things the way they are with them in control. And these people are a threat to them. But this Jesus healing thing is severely threatening their authority, their power structure. And it's interesting that they were astonished at Peter and John's courage and their knowledge. And they even connected that courage and knowledge with the fact that they had spent time with Jesus. So all the evidence points to Peter and John being disciples of Jesus Christ, and their wisdom and power comes from him. But they can't say that. (laughs) They cannot admit the obvious truth. So the only thing they can do, they can't hold them because they didn't do anything. They let them go and command them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then, of course, Peter and John say, judge for yourselves. We can't uh, help speak about what we have seen or heard. And remember what Jesus said back in the early chapter when they said, is this the time... Uh, that the kingdom is coming, he said, don't worry about times and days. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses. And then again, Peter and John say, we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. They're being witnesses.
2: So the religious
0: leaders let them go because they can't really do anything to them since the people were glorifying God in the whole matter. This man was in his 40s. He'd never walked. now he's walking and jumping and praising God. What happened here was that God, by his wisdom and power, put these enemies of his in an impossible situation. We also have to give Peter and John credit because they acted in boldness and obedience to God. Now, This morning, we we started this by asking, who is it that holds real power and authority in our world? The religious leaders had a form of earthly power. They had some authority in their earthly positions, and they worked really hard to keep that authority, didn't they? I mean, they, they couldn't just let these uneducated, unsophisticated men challenge their authority. So they put them in jail. They brought them before the high Jewish court. They warned and threatened them. But on the other hand, Peter and John submitted to being You know, think of this. Peter and John, they belong to a higher authority, but they submitted to being put in jail but then when they told them you can't speak anymore in this name Peter and John said no we have a higher authority (laughs) Mm -hmm. they went to jail but they're not going to stop speaking about Jesus good balance don't you think but now we're going to listen to the prayer of the disciples after they are reunited When Peter and John go back to the other disciples. And this is where we learn where the true authority lies. That's the question we were asking at the beginning. But look at verses 23 through 31. It says, on their release, you know, from jail, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. They're going to quote an Old Testament passage from David that's going to fit this circumstance. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. That was prophecy that they were experiencing. And then they go on in their prayer. Verse 27. And they bring it to their time. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, they did what your power and will. Now we're seeing who has the real power, are we? They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So, where does ultimate power lie? Who is it that exercises complete authority? It's the sovereign Lord. It's in the sovereign Lord, isn't it? Now I want to say just a quick word about God's sovereignty because it's a term that can be confused if we're not careful. When someone is a true sovereign, that means that person has the top rule. They have the final say. You know, it's in comparison to kings of the earth. That person sets the rules by which things will run. That's sovereignty. The Bible clearly says that God is sovereign. That means God sets the rules. No one can override God's authority. They said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth, and all that is in them. But here's the thing where it gets some people get it confused or can can be confused. What sovereignty doesn't mean is that God controls all of your thoughts, all of your actions, all of your attitudes so that your whole life is predetermined. That's not a part of sovereignty. Sovereignty, you'll see, kings of the earth, they'll make Laws. And if you disobey that law, you have to answer to them, but they didn't stop you from disobeying the law. You know what I mean? Sovereignty is who rules over everyone else, but it doesn't mean that people can't disobey them. They'll have to pay for disobeying them. God is sovereign in that we answer to Him, He sets the terms of salvation. He decides when judgment comes upon a nation. He chose Israel as his special chosen people. He chose the way of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. He chooses what happens to those who refuse salvation in Christ. Because he is sovereign. But you can still disobey him. It's just that you'll have to answer to him. And in this prayer we read, the disciples worship God for his sovereignty because he is the one who planned out salvation. God is sovereign. And you know today, that's so much a part of our problem today. People, they, they look at the Bible and sometimes it's people who've, who've lived Christian lives for a long time They've been Christian leaders, and they look at the Bible and they don't like something in it, and they say, I don't believe in God anymore. Well, now they've made themselves the sovereign. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: God is sovereign, and His ways will work out, even if we can't understand them fully. And we won't. We won't be able to understand everything God does, says, and the way He sets it up. We can understand a lot of it. I don't know what the percentage is, but we can understand a whole lot of it. Enough to believe. But there are things that are beyond our understanding. We can't even describe God anywhere near how wonderful and great He is. We can't describe how awful sin is. And so we're down here, we just have to trust. And God gives us enough information to trust completely. And in this prayer that the disciples pray, They they thank God for his sovereignty. And his sovereignty is going to include them suffering. All the disciples, all the apostles died as martyrs, except we don't have, we're not sure about John. But all the others died as martyrs under God's sovereignty. But God was helping them. God was strengthening them. And he had a route planned out for them. And what these were saying to God is, Lord, those earthly rulers conspired against your holy servant Jesus, and they put him to death. But that was not outside your plan. Lord, you used evil, their evil, to accomplish your plan of salvation and bring so many millions of people to you. Now, they didn't say, God, you placed evil in their hearts and you predetermined that they would be so evil they would crucify your son. He didn't say that in his prayer. He said, these evil people conspired against your holy servant Jesus and in their evil actions, they actually fulfilled your plan of salvation whereby your son became the sin offering for all mankind, for all who will turn to him in repentance. You know, the bottom line is, God will bring his salvation plan to fruition. And he will use good and evil to make the way of salvation. But he is not the author of evil. And when God's people turn to him, as the heat is being turned up against them, they are clinging to God's sovereignty. And they're saying, God, we know who the real power resides, where the real power resides, and we're turning to you because we know that your plan is perfect, and you know God's plan included the martyrdom of every apostle. So, here's the deal. We asked about power. People thirst for power. People like to control. The Jewish religious leaders wanted to control completely. They climbed that ladder of power. They worked very hard to attain it and then to keep it. But all the time they thought they held the power, they didn't. God held it. Their evil hatred of Jesus worked right into God's plan because He's sovereign. They strutted around as they were like the king roosters. But it was God's plan that was unfolding. So today, our God is sovereign. We have all kinds of evil popping up today. And there are times, appropriate times for us to stand against evil. But God will use it in his plan to bring about eternal good. So we don't have to go out fighting for power or control. We keep on doing good and following God. And then God's sovereignty will finish up the course. And we will enjoy life with him forever. Because we know... Where the true power lies Let's pray Father we thank you For this This book of Acts That tells us about the early church And it shows us so much About your workings Through people on this earth And we pray That we could gain more and more Understanding of who you are and, And what your power is where true power lies. And may we be faithful witnesses for you. And may we just witness to the resurrection of of Jesus. And may many come to know you because of that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Would you close us in prayer, please? Yeah.
0: Lord God, thank you so much for this day and for carrying us uh, through the Word, through Job. And just pray that we can take that Word this week and uh, go out in
1: boldness and uh, proclaim your name in some way, Lord. Thank you so much. Amen. 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 Amen.